After everything happened last week, the dust, ladies and gentlemen, has now settled, and we don't have any clear winners and losers of the offseason just yet, but we can at least debate how the movement thus far impacts the overall standings of tomorrow. Episode 372 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. As we uh, talked about last week, we're obviously not going to be able to get to every single bargain signing overpay and all that because it would take too much time. We are going to tackle a handful of teams that really caught our attention with the things that they did, for better or for worse. Uh, if you're a Sens fan like I am, uh, I have a few things uh, in the works behind the scenes that uh, over the next coming weeks and months... Uh, will be posted to the SoundCloud account, some panels, uh, some debriefings from yours truly. So uh, if uh, you're down for that kind of content, uh, stay tuned. Uh, that is on the way uh, throughout the summer break. Uh, today, Brett, we're going to be starting with the Ontario team that a lot of people are probably talked uh, talked out about talking about because uh, it, it seems like uh, we want to throw up every time we mention their name because they're always in the news. That would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even have a joke here because <laughs> you. Um, but yes, uh, yeah. We're we're gonna talk about it. It, it does feel weird uh, to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs because I know that they get the most attention in Canada. But um, but basically, what happened here and like a little bit of behind the scenes here at Lace Them Up. Um, originally, we were going to do like break it down by different divisions and like figure out which team did the, uh, the did the best, which team did the worst, but I was just thinking that that might take a lot of time and I'm not necessarily sure I know, um, know which team did the best or which team did the worst. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, what I did was I, we just break, broke it down to like the five most interesting teams who did a lot of who made a lot of moves in the last week or so, um, and then um, and then we um, and then we have two other questions of like uh, like just going over other signings that we did. Um, of course, we did talk about like you know there are some teams that we talked about last week like Nashville. We did spend some time about Toronto as well, but um, they um, uh, but first off like you know we. Uh, Toronto made more moves after, <laughs> afterwards, and um, and yeah, there's like we we didn't we, Nashville is not going to be covered on here. I can already spoil that for you guys, uh, yeah. but later later date, but not today. Exactly, yeah, and we'll we'll cover like if if there's signings that we didn't cover, then yeah, we'll cover them during our previews or something like that, um, yeah, or when there's a big trade. Fair, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a feeling Barry Trotz isn't done uh, blowing people's heads off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, we're gonna start off with Toronto. Uh, they made some moves, um, of course. Um, so the big one, well, we we kind of t- we did kind of glance over Ryan Reeves, um, and that was a three-year deal worth one point three five million. I didn't realize he's thirty-five years old. Or 36 years old, so that's a little bit weird, but whatever. 
Uh, John Klingberg, we also talked about briefly, but he has a one-year $4.15 million. Um, what we didn't talk about was uh, Tyler Bertuzzi signs for a one-year um, $5.5 million deal. And Max Domi uh, also uh, joins his father's team uh, with a one-year $3 million deal. Um, there's also like, you know, they have, they sign like Dylan, like minor moves like Dylan Gambrell, Maxime Lajoie, William Legison, but those are the main guys, um, that we're going to be talking about right now. Um, and they also re-signed at David Camp on a four-year deal. Yeah, yeah. Although that was like a couple days before. Um, right. And, um, yeah, so Tyler Bertuzzi, of course, is like the big the big fish that, or like the big free agent that people thought was going to sign for a lot of money, and that's ultimately what the Bruins thought, because uh, apparently uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, or the Bruins, had a conversation with Bertuzzi's camp, and their camp was saying that they would like longer term with a lot yep. more money, and um, and then the Bruins were like, okay, we're not going to be able to afford that. Let's uh, sign all these other people like Shattenkirk and JVR and other people, and then Lucic, yeah, and then um, and then Bertuzzi was just like, oh, okay, a lot of teams aren't going to be signing a lot of long term deals, and he quickly just changes his mind. Um, and signs a one-year deal worth five point five million. Um, I, you know, so he also loves the Atlantic Division. Yeah. He's played for this will be his third team, and all of them in the Atlantic. He started in Detroit, then went to Boston, and now he's late. Yeah, you know the thing is, is and I mentioned this last week. It's like obviously it would be great to keep a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi in line, um, but just the fact that Bert, uh, I. I, I'm rolling with the sense that Bergeron and Krejci are out. Um, and if that's the case, then we have bigger issues. And then I was thinking about, like, obviously it would be great if we signed him again for a one-year deal. And it's just, like, it's just the like uh, the situation that it's, it sounds like, oh, he realized, like, oh, teams aren't handing out long-term extensions unless you're Lula Amarillo. Um, and... Um, and, and, and whatnot. So, um, even, it, like, yeah, obviously I would want Bertuzzi instead of JVR and Shattenkirk and Lucic, um, even though I love the nostalgia of having <laughs> Lucic back. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we still have to, uh, the Bruins still have to sign uh, Jeremy Swayman. They still have to sign uh, Trent Frederick. Um, I'm not sure if $5 million for one year would make sense at all, especially if Pat, uh, Bergeron and Krejci aren't there, because then it's like, okay, well, Bert, Bertuzzi can't be a center for us, so so that doesn't make sense. But it just sucks that it's the Maple Leafs. I, I figured he wouldn't be on the Bruins. It just it just stinks that it's it's the Leafs. Um, well, cheer, it will chin up because I'm pretty yeah. sure the Leafs after this year won't be able to afford that's, him what he wants either. That that's <laughs> true too, but. Uh, ultimately, like, like let's say, because I do not want to be facing this this guy in the playoffs, um, and even if the Bruins do make the playoffs, and I know that's like a stretch, still without Bergeron and Krejci, but there's still you know the Bruins are still a bubble team without 
those two guys. Um, and so, like, Bertuzzi is, like, basically a Matthew Kachuk light. Um, and he'll help them, you know, he brings that sandpaper that, uh, that, like, that you need in, in the playoffs. And he also, like, he scored 16 points in 20, in 21 games for Boston. Um, he did have a down year when he was in Detroit this season, though, 14 points in 29 games. But then he did have, like, 30 goals in 68 games um, in, uh, in that bubble year in 2021-2022 season. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's very good. Um, it's just, um, you know, it's just, uh, or, like, he's a goal scorer. He can also, like, get in your face. Although, like, I think he, he doesn't hit as much as you would think he does. Uh, yeah, he had 54, I mean, he had 54 hits in 50 games. That's, I mean, that's still, like, you know, a decent, like, that's, like... Yeah, his uh, career by 76, which he hit in yeah, his yeah. third season. And right. he's only hit 70-plus wins another time, and that was the year after he had 71. Yeah, so yeah. He's, he's not uh, a guy like Tanner Janot who right. can score goals but also hit people. Yeah, yeah. Um, they also, speaking of hitting people... Max Domi, um, his father definitely hit people. Um, he doesn't really hit people, though. Uh, he only had um, 24, 22 hits in 80 games last year for Chicago and Dallas. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, the Maple Leafs, that was the other signing that they that the Leafs had uh, that we didn't cover, get to um, last week. Um yeah, he had he had a pretty decent season though. Uh, thir- like forty nine points in sixty games for a terrible Chicago team, um, and then when he went to Dallas, he wasn't as good. At seven points in twenty games. It is kind of cool though that like he plays for the team that his dad played for. Um, of course, though, like I I get the feeling though that like Leafs fans are expecting the same type of player as Ty Domi. But uh, newsflash: Max Domi does not play like Ty Domi, um, and yeah, I think they're glad that they're not getting Ty Domi 2.0. They, they <laughs> need a guy that can yeah. irritate people and score like Bertuzzi can. True, true. But like, yeah, I mean, I, you could make a case that like Bertuzzi is a Ty Domi who can, um, who can score. But like, you no know can intimidate Ryan yeah. Reeves. That's why they gave him three years. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Like the the like the tied like in this NHL, like Ty Domi would not be in the NHL right now. Um, so yeah, um, he would be a dying breed for right, sure. Exactly. Yes. So um, and Ryan Reeves, I guess, is the only one like that. I guess nowadays who um, who still plays and still continues to get contracts for some reason. Um, I, I, there, there is a reason, yeah. just real quick, um, why Ryan Reeves was given this deal, is that last year it seemed like the Leafs could be pushed around rather easily. Yeah. Like, you see Michael Bunting go into the fray and stand up for his guys, and that's why he would probably get penalized, because, you know, he was probably the third man in a lot of the time, and, you know, having that bad reputation with the officials also didn't help. Um, so he was, you know, getting himself yeah. into a lot of trouble sometimes by doing the right thing and just helping out his team. But, like, how many guys do you see going into that pile? Wayne Simmons every 10th game? Mark Giordano? Like, it's a pretty short list. And just by existing on the ice, 
Ryan Reeves with his towering presence, his big muscle, his mm-hmm. his his muscular frame. It's like, and I don't want to mess around with that guy. I'm yeah. not to do anything stupid out there, or or I'm gonna have to answer to him. Yeah. And and he can also intimidate with his mouth as well. Like he can get under people's skin. You like look at look at Ryan Reeves going after Tom Wilson in that game against the Capitals. I think it was in the regular season. But very few people could toy with Tom Wilson like that, and Reese can. And when you have guys like Milan Lucic on the Bruins, um, and and uh, some of the other, um, I wouldn't say enforcers, but some of those physical presences, like you had on Tampa Bay that have since departed. Uh, Tanner Janot's still there, so I guess he still counts as well as you know a a guy that can like instigate with the best of them the Kachuk brothers you you need a guy like Ryan Reeves in the mix to kind of let the stars do what they do best and just play their game and I feel like the Leafs haven't gotten a guy that allows them to do that yeah I guess the thing though with Ryan Reeves and as we were just talking about with Matt like tied like the Ty Domi types don't exist anymore in this new NHL um, and Ryan Reeves is just not a like if you if you're good physically anymore and you can fight and hit that's just not gonna do it anymore in the NHL like you have to bring something a little bit something more to the table um, also with Ryan Reeves it's like he's 36 years old he's signed to a three-year deal um, and so like it's like a, it reminds me of those Lou Lamarillo uh, like long-term contracts to like low low-term guys it doesn't make sense to me yeah. honestly because especially when you have Matthews um, is going to be a free agent next year you have uh, Nylander is also going to be a free agent next year and then you have um, yeah Marner's uh, not too far off as well so and you're going to have to pay those the guys Nylander stuff by the yeah. way apparently contract talks have started with the Leafs Yep. And it sounds like he's looking towards like $10 million, right. $9.5 million, $10 million. Yeah, yeah. Like that's nearing Jack Eichel money. Like, yeah, yeah. But like. So if, if that's what it's going to cost to keep Nealander around, then you look at Marner and then you look at Matthews and it's like, yeah. oh boy. But then it's like, okay, let's say Nealander, like, you know, I could see Nealander like getting that. He's a very good player. But then like. Matthews, got that somewhere probably. Yeah, true, true. But then, like, Matthews is going to be like, well, wait a second. I'm way better than Nylander, um, yeah. so I'm going to get a raise. And then the next, the following year, Marner is going to be like, wait a second. I'm better than Nylander. You could, you, you know, maybe I'm not as good as Matthews, but I'm better than Nylander. I got so. sulky <laughs> right. votes and I'm a winger. Right, I'm right. Good. Right, right. It's so, so there's that. And then it's like, okay, like, yeah, to... Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, like one one point three five isn't a ton of money to give to a fourth liner, but then it's also like I'm just looking here. They paid. They have a three year deal for Callie Yarncock, who's another fourth liner, uh, for three more years. Then they have a four year deal to David Kampf, who um, who like two point four million. It all just starts to add up when like those three guys in particular. Are going to be like getting new contracts and getting raises in the next two years, so it doesn't make a ton Which of sense. Which adds up once the entry levels, yeah. like Nick Robertson, you yeah. know, eventually need new contracts right. as well. Yeah, and so it's like, yeah, you're you're right that like Nylander may not be worth like ten million dollars, but 
like I, I think you would agree that he's more valuable to the Leafs than Ryan Reeves will be. Um, so yeah. Um, so just the fact that it's like it's all going to add up and like they're expecting the cap to go up. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, Even if the cap goes up, uh, it's still going to be tough. Yeah. to keep the band together true, and then true. also build a roster around that. Yeah. And then you assume that, like, I guess Tavares also has two more years left on this contract, so you assume that he'll probably take less, maybe, but yes. we'll see. Um, and there's also uh, goaltending, because yep. uh, you have Matt Murray, who's often injured, and I think his cap hit is more of a liability now. Uh, you also have Jake Muzzin's contract, what, whatever to do with that. You have mm. Samsonov, who is a restricted free agent yep. currently. And then a, a young Joseph Walt, who yep. fits somewhere into that equation, and probably will because now mm. uh, Eric Shelgren uh, is headed elsewhere, so he's not even in your system anymore. Oh, I didn't even realize so he's it, gone. So it presents yeah. a very complex scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like no wonder Kyle Dubas left. Um, <laughs> and and, and, and yeah. like I, I will say, Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi and Ryan Reeves mm-hmm. um, all add. A lot of something uh, in their own way. Yeah. And I think the Leafs are still going to be a very good team. At the same time, they lost a lot of what made them a team that could turn their bad fortunes around with a deep playoff run. Mm-hmm. Losing Ryan O'Reilly and his defensive savviness, his two way center abilities, like Ty Dillon might be a good center for that team, but he's not Ryan O'Reilly good. That hurts. Uh, having a guy like Luke Shen stabilizing the blue line, losing him, that hurts. Noel Achari, the role that he played as a bottom six forward, losing him, yeah, that stings as well. And I just don't, like, I'm fine with losing Kerfoot. I'm fine with losing Justin Hall. They give the Leafs the necessary cap space to do other things. Michael Bunting, that experiment ran its course. Eric Gustafson, he wasn't going to be around. Victor Mete, he wasn't going to be around to begin with. Um... But Achari, uh, Achari and O'Reilly were the were the tough losses as well as Lucien. Yep. Those were the three that I think, you know, the Leafs probably tried to keep around, but for whatever reasons, this didn't happen. And I, I'm just worried that even though they got pieces that keep them as the team as a quality team that they are right now. I feel like losing the intangibles that O'Reilly and Shen and Achari provided, I feel like those losses are going to add up to the point where, again, when it comes time to win the big game or go on that deep playoff run, I question if the Leafs can do it because of the intangibles that they lost in those three players. Right. I mean, they do get more, like, sandpaper, as you're saying, like... Like I, I I'm I guess you're higher on the Ryan Reeves signing than the rest of the world is. Um but um I mean he went pointless in twelve games to the Rangers, that's tough to debate. And the main reason the right. Rangers got him is after the yeah. Tom Wilson punking us, that's never gonna happen again. Right. And they but, traded him to Minnesota not long after that right, 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 right. experiment wound down. So you you have a very solid point there. Yeah. And, I mean, John just, Klingberg as well, I'm kind of iffy on because yeah, well, you know, that, get him at one year at $4 million, but isn't he just like a pricier Eric Gustafson? Maybe. I guess 
I, yeah, that, that is a good point, but you kind of cut me off before I was going to say yes. that. My bad. Uh, no, it's fine. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, so anyways, back to my point that, yeah, you seem to be higher on Ryan Reeves than the rest of the world is, and I am, um, about it, because it's not like he's giving, like, you know, he just gives you physicality. There's no NHL fights anymore. Um, and not to mention, I, what I was getting to was the fact that you do bring in Tyler Bertuzzi, who does talk, like, you know, who is that, like, pesty type of player, The especially when you have Matt Matty Kachuk in your division, when you have Brady Kachuk in your division, when you have Brad Marchand in your division, when you have... Um, Tanner Janot in your division, like there's there's a, guy a lot. Who probably learned yeah. a lot from Brian Marchand too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of you know playing the refs a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that too. So it's like you add that element of like grit, basically, uh, that you wouldn't, um, that you don't have before, and like you know, like the Kachucks and Brad Marchand, they can also score as well. So like I do like that Bertuzzi deal. Because it's like, okay, it's like a little bit like having a Ryan Reeves, except that Bertuzzi can score and he's going to be on, like, on Marner and uh, Matthew's line. Um, so Power play option, yeah, too, as well. Exactly. And uh, so it's like, yes, they lost out on Michael Bunting, and we're about to talk about Bunting's new team. But at the same time, like, Bertuzzi's a lot better than Michael Bunting is. So Yeah, you're not wrong. And, he's um, not as good as Kachuk, yeah. but better than Bunting. He's and, I, I think the the beauty of this contract as well is that well one you screw out the Bruins and secondly, um, like like this Bruins fan is like insanely jealous that's like uh, goddamn I have to like root against Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, but the the other beauty of it is is like Michael Bunting we're about to talk about you sign a three year deal um, there's a good chance that Michael Bunting isn't as good as we think he is, um, but like. If Bertuzzi isn't as good as we think he is, that's only for one year. Like, you can just get, you know, you don't have to deal with him anymore after that. Because, um, like, you know, he was famously, he was that unvaccinated player. He, he's now in a Canadian um, arena now, so he can, he has to play. otherwise, by the way, that he's been yeah. vaccinated. I, yeah, that I don't know. He still hasn't gotten the doses yet. Yeah, that I don't know, but he has played in a Canadian arena, so I don't know. But it is like, you know, you can make a case that he's not a good teammate because he wasn't willing to get vaccinated in order to play. Um, uh, I know that that was like two years removed and we're kind of, the world has kind of gotten out of the COVID stuff. Um, I'm just like knocking on wood here. But, uh, so, but like, even still, like that stuff carries over. You know, um, so so there's also that kind of thing where it's like it's it's possible that he's just not a good teammate because like even though that's one example you have, um, and I loved the guy when he was on the Bruins, but you know there is a case to be made of like okay, well maybe he's not as great as we think he is just because of that one fact that he wasn't willing to get vaccinated um, when he obviously should have, um, and then um, yeah so. Uh, yeah, and the John Klingberg one, I, I'm, I'm interested in that because, like, again, it's, like, another one-year deal, and it's, like, as, as we were just talking about with Bertuzzi, it's, like, if, if uh, it doesn't work out, then, okay, you just let him go, um, and, he, you know, this is his, like, fifth team, basically, at this point, um, and if, 
like I, I feel like this is Klingberg's last chance um, and um, yeah he might he might uh, he might be decent because we know what he's capable of when he was on Dallas but um, yeah it might it might not be working as well so we'll see um, and it's, yeah. it's it's interesting too that like a lot of these players are signing these one-year deals so it, it just makes it so that like next year's free agent class is going to like build up and there's going to be a lot of free agents next year um yeah and, and, and yeah. the quality of those free agents is yeah. going to be much better than this year i i think this year's free agency class is worse than 2016 yeah and 2016 was notorious for being bad true true yeah i guess it's it's more like well i mean to be fair like Pasternak signed early um then you had like uh the timo meyer signing early um, you still have yeah. like you still have a decent amount of like RFAs to be signed. Oh yeah, the RFAs yeah. are fine, but no one's gonna yeah. like offer sheet anybody to get them. True. Yeah, yeah. Especially in a flat cap. Right, 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 right. But like that—that's why there's only like these one-year deals now, or, or that's why Tyler yeah. Bertuzzi was. Players are banking yeah. on getting paid next year, and or that hundred percent understand Bertuzzi's uh, yeah. decision to take the one year. The only thing, so it's, it does seem like there was a bit of, like, uh, just an unfortunate circumstance. But I will say, it is a little odd that Bertuzzi said that he wanted a long-term contract, and then the next day, he uh, signs <laughs> with with the Maple Leafs. Like, like he immediately changes his mind. Because usually what happens is, is that you, like, maybe wait a, week, wait a week, but, like, he just realized immediately that he's not getting a long-term contract somewhere so he just uh he's just like all right i guess i'll go to the leafs for one year uh, it could be like, also that the, he couldn't even get the money for from boston that he wanted for a year because right. they had yeah, spent a couple of yeah. millions on those depth guys i was thinking that too it's like okay could we have even afforded like yeah obviously you would want him for one year uh, but yeah 5.5 would have been a tough sell even still because we probably would have had to sell old mark to get it done but speaking of cap and while we're talking about the lease it's this it's the topic of discussion they can't evade uh their projected cap it is 92.3 million at this time although jake Mudson's on ltir right but there's still 3.2 million over the cap matt murray is an ltir candidate so if they put him on there then uh, they're cap compliant and they have a bit of money to play with but even still uh, they have, like I said, they have Samsonov as an RFA, and you know what happens there uh, is is still to be determined. I, again, like what changes with the core four? Like I, I'm curious, Brad, um, are are you gonna are you gonna move one of those four guys out and maybe get some pieces around the team to make them better in other areas, or are you just going to roll the dice? again with this core four and hope it all works out the other thing as you said brett what made the boston bruins so good is that the core members were willing to take less to stay together mm. and win together and while they didn't win a stanley cup together they went on a lot of deep playoff runs and that's all you can ask for as a unit as a team as a fan base is regular season success and deep playoff runs and the bruins provided that and it's up to the core four if they want to make that happen or not. Do you prefer more money, or do you, uh, or, or are you willing to accept the uh, additional playoff problems that come with taking more money? You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's a decision that 
Neilander and Marner and Matthews are going to have to make if they want to stay together and have success together. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't feel like I feel like they're going to take it another season, um, and then like the next off season, I think one of those four will will definitely be gone. But um, but yeah, I don't I don't I don't think. It, I, yeah, but obviously that's going to be on the forefront of everyone's mind this yeah. year. I just feel like maximum value you'd yeah. probably get by making a move now. And, yeah. you know, clock's ticking. You have right. the offseason, but True. clock's ticking. Uh, so so we do have a question for each of these teams that we talk about. Uh, will this work? Um, I, I don't know. I, I do like the Bertuzzi signing. I do like the Klingberg signing. Domi, it depends on how they use them. If he's just if he's gonna be like a third line guy, then I think he can produce. Um, but um, but uh, like if they're gonna rely on him a lot, then yeah, it might not work. Um, and then Ryan Reeves, I don't understand that signing. Um, but ultimately, I do like the Bertuzzi signing so much so that it kind of overcomes the, the bad. Reeves, and you, we'll see what what happens with Klingberg, and Bertuzzi is an upgrade from Bunting, um, and and uh, you you do have a point about because I for, like I I wrote in our lineup of notable losses, and I didn't even put it in O'Reilly in there, uh, but uh, yeah, that that would be another like veter- they need a veteran presence type person, which O'Reilly provided, and um, they don't have that here. So, but I I do like the Tyler Bertuzzi pickup. But uh, will it work? Yeah, they'll still make the playoffs. I I think it will be enough to bring them into like a, a a nice playoff run. But I don't think it will like make them get the Stanley Cup or anything like that. But it does make they are a better team than they were last year. Um, which which is kind of funny because I yeah. felt like last year's roster was pretty freaking good. Yeah, um, but. Yeah. It, you, you have a point in the deep playoff run because yeah. if you look at the Atlantic Division as a whole, mm-hmm. I don't trust at the moment what Detroit is doing. I think Buffalo is young and they're fun to watch. And while I think they're a playoff team, they're inexperienced and they haven't been to the playoffs in over a decade. So right. um, I feel like if they do make the playoffs, there are going to be a lot of learning curves and peaks, peaks and valleys there. Um, so I don't think Buffalo is capable of making a deep playoff run. Uh, I'm hopeful that my Sens would do something, but um, until I see it, um, yep. I'm not really going to consider them a playoff threat. Um, I think Boston's going to take a step back. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Tampa Bay's offseason, but uh, they're losing guys left and right due to the salary cap. They're still over the salary cap. Uh, even retaining... Patrick Maroon, who barely costs anything at 20%, uh, they're still over the cap. It's ridiculous. Um, and Florida's banged up to start the year. And Montreal is, you know, going to be fun but bad. So when I look at everything from that perspective, when it comes time to playing a best of seven series, the only thing that's probably going to get in the Maple Leafs' way is themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so long that doesn't happen, at the very least, they're making the Final Four. And at that point, who knows what could happen? It's going to be a dog-eat-dog world in the Metro Division again. They're going to be beating each other up up, up until, you know, the Conference Finals. 
and who knows what you get at that point. So I, while I don't think this year's Leafs team is better than last year's Leafs team on paper, and a lot could still happen, uh, I think they're more capable of making a deeper run. Uh, yep. I, I hate to say it, they're more capable of making a deeper run this year than they were last year. Right, right, right. I think that's like ultimately what we learned from the Florida Panthers run is that like even though they barely made the playoffs once they were in, it's like oh yeah. right they just brought they all the havoc. yeah they had all the aggressive people and that's kind of what I feel like that's what Toronto learned as well. It's like okay we just need to get a lot of guys who can kind of score but also like get in your face as well. So and that you know even though Max Domi as I mentioned isn't like you're not he's not tied do like he is technically Ty Domi's son or literally Ty Domi's son but uh he doesn't play like that. Um but uh but yeah even like even still it's like okay there these are a bunch of uh potsters um that you need in the to go far in the playoffs. Um, I also noticed that uh, the Leafs gave Tyler Bertu Bertuzzi a no-move clause, so if that experiment fails, he basically controls his own fate. Right, right, right. Yeah, good point. So uh, yeah. I like that for the player as well. Only 28 years old as well. Same yeah, age yeah. as Max Domi, oddly enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I knew that they were young. I didn't realize they were 28, though. Um, okay, uh, Carolina. Um, so they signed both their goalies, re-signed them, um, also Jesper Fast. Um, so, uh, so Jesper Fast was a two-year deal worth $2.4 Anti Ranta, $1.15 for one year, um, and then Freddie Anderson for $3.4 uh, for two years. Uh, then the two that are kind of like the bigger, the key free agents here. Uh, Michael Bunting signs for three years, four point five million, and uh, Dmitry Orlov signed for two years, worth seven point seven five million. Uh, they also signed. I told you he was gonna get paid, but yeah, even right. that, like, man, yeah, that 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 might. Yeah. Dare dare I say that could be the overpay of the offseason? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll like, talk that, about that. That is a lot for Dmitry Orlov. Yeah. They also signed Griffin Mendel and Dylan Coughlin. Uh, to like uh, some entry level deals, um, and then um, yeah, uh, so that's it in terms of that. Uh, they lose out to um, they don't have Ghost Despair, and we'll talk about him in a second. Um, and they don't have Pacioretty, who uh, is kind of like a little bit of a sneaky move here, but he uh, he goes to uh, Washington. Pacioretty does, um, so that's a little bit interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think like. In terms of like the defensemen that were available and the um, forwards that were available, um, they um, yeah those like Bunting and Orlov were near the top. Um, but yes, you're right. Like even like the like the Orlov deals like like they, this is a team that still has Brent Burns in their on their team. They still have Jacob Slavin, who's very good as well. Obviously, Brady Shea has one more year. Brett Pesci has one more year, um, but yeah, at seven point, I actually just looking here, they're, um, in terms of their defensive core, they don't have any defenseman that is over three years, um, and the uh, two of the, uh, three of them are um, two year, or have two years left in their contract, and that's Orlov, Slavin, and Burns, but then you have uh, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, and uh, Dylan Coughlin and Jalen Chatfield um, have one more year left 
on their contract. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, like I, I think Orlock does help their defensive core, but like, and they're already pretty strong with Jacob Slavin and Brett Burns and Brady Shea and Brett Pesci. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily 7.75 good level good, but yeah, he, um, like I was skeptical when the Bruins traded for him, but, uh, he definitely proved me wrong because he played very, very well. Um, and he showed that he had some offense to his game. I don't know if that's something that like, it was like a Montgomery effect or something because he wasn't like that in Washington. So I am curious to see if he's going to like be more of an offensive presence in Carolina. Um, and if so, then yeah, I think he is worth 7.75, but I wouldn't guarantee, like I wouldn't, like I wouldn't bet my house on it, I guess is the saying, as the saying goes. Um, I guess it makes sense that Freddie Anderson, they re-signed Freddie and re-signed Auntie Ranta. It is a little bit strange though, because they also have Kachetkov in the mix. So like the fact that they re-signed both those goalies, like so they still just are willing to have three goalies all of a sudden. Um, so maybe there is a way that they could just trade Antiranta just because he has one more year left, um, and and get something valuable. But um, but it seems like Kachekov was pretty good last year, and at least he. He deserves to be, at the very least, a backup. So I don't necessarily understand why they did anti-Ranta, but at the same time, it's like, Ranto is pretty good. Also, like, uh, considering what happened in years past to other goaltender, young goaltenders, like the Delkovich and um, Carter Hart even, uh, there's a few other guys, Matt Murray, who, like, who aren't as good as they get older. Uh, so, so yeah, Chekhov is good right now, but maybe he's not um, going to be as good later on. It's very possible. Um, but um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, why are you signing anti-Ranta? Um, and the Michael Bunting deal, I, I have a theory that that's not going to uh, be a good signing in the long term. Um, and... Um, but, uh, but yeah, it might, it might be pretty, like, I feel like it's, like, the reason why Michael Bunting was so good was because he was on a line with Matthews and Marner, um, and those, those two guys, uh, lifted him up, but, of course, he's going to be playing on a line with Sebastian Ajo, who's no slouch either, um, but I, I, I get the sense that this might be one of those deals that the Hurricanes are going to be like, wait a second, what are we doing? Um, so, or, like, why did we sign the contract again? Um, well, uh, when it's done, but, um, but yeah, we'll see. So, um, there are a couple of things as well. Um, they, part of the reason why they got this cap space is Jake Gardner's gone, Calvin DeHaan's gone, and they also didn't qualify to die Bach. And Jordan Stahl, who, uh, stayed around, also took a bit less money, like Freddie Anderson did. Um, and that kind of correlated to, um, this extra bit of cap space, the cap space that they have going on as well. Um, obviously, a lot of that cap space is going to be going away after next season because I feel like this, uh, and I said to, at the trade deadline, it felt like this is a go-for kind of year. This year is also a go-for kind of year because you have Aho as a UFA, 
Um, I would imagine Terabanian's going to be a sacrificial lamb because you also have Marty Natchez, who is an RFA. You have Seth Jarvis, who is an RFA, um, that you're probably going to want to keep around. Um, for some reason, Pesci's in trade talks. I would personally keep him. Uh, Brady Shea could be a guy that's, you know, on the way out due to cap casualties in the long term. Anti Ranta, I think it's insurance policy until um, Coach Cobb has solidified himself as an NHL player. He was good in the first half when they needed him, but in the second half, kind of started to show signs of weakness a little bit. Uh, maybe it's because lack of playing time lost his groove a little bit. But um, I definitely think he's well on his way to being a full-time NHLer, and this is just buying a bit extra time for Kochkov to to get his game focused and uh, get ready for the rigors of an NHL season, and, and this is just to buy him a bit more time. The other thing about the Carolina Hurricanes' uh, off-season moves is I would consider them as incomplete because there are, uh, there are some other things in the frying pan that may or may not happen. For example, Vladimir Tarasenko, who recently switched agents uh, to uh, CAA, represented by J.P. Berry and Pat Brisson, were synonymous with getting the biggest bang for their client's buck. And um, he switched agents uh, from Paul Theophanis, I believe was his former agent, um, to uh, Barry and uh, Pat Brisson. Um, uh, so the process on that regard, according to Elliot Freeman, has reset. So they're back to square one. But Carolina was in the mix for Tarasenko. Uh, Spechnikov is currently on injured reserve. So at some point, he's going to come back. And then there's also rumblings that maybe they uh, are going to acquire Eric Carlson from the Sharks. Supposedly, it's them and the Penguins that are the front runners to land Eric Carlson if a trade happens there. Um, so to answer your question about Dmitry Orlov, I think part of the answer to that question is depends on whether or not they get Eric Carlson, who got like 101 points low key this year. Uh, nobody noticed at all. Um, and then uh, you also have potentially Tarasenko coming in and stealing some of Bunting's power play minutes, uh, some of the top line minutes that he would otherwise get with Sebastian Ajo as well. So I think all of those things, whether or not they happen, uh, is going to impact Carolina's decision making there in terms of where Bunting fits, in terms of where Orlov fits, um, and even if they get neither of those guys, um, I still think they're probably going to be doing some wheeling and dealing in the off season. And who they would get, yeah. I don't know, but I think this is going to be a big off season for Carolina. It's only just begun, so. Um, they're, they're definitely a team that I'm keeping a close eye on all the way till October throughout the course of the season as well. Um, I, I would say at the moment, uh, the bunting is a uh, bunting signing is a bit of a gamble in terms of term. If it was one year, I'd be definitely okay with it, but because it's three, I'm a bit hesitant. Orlov, I would say, is an overpay because I don't think he's worth $8 million per season. I think... You know, six point five million is probably as high as I go for Orlov. Maybe seven. But well, he, he that's, just, that's, that's he's just he's just under eight million. He's it's that seven yeah, just seven. under eight million. Yeah. Seven point seven five, and it's and it's for two years to be fair. So yeah. it's it's not that gargantuan. True. Uh, but when you consider you know the big name players and contracts they're gonna have to dish out in yeah. you know the next twelve months. 
that uh, terms like that uh, for Bunting and for Orlov, in the grand scheme of things, they do matter. Um, and the cap better go up by as much as they're thinking it will, because they're going to need uh, those dollars to keep uh, those guys around. Yeah. Uh, so all things considered, I think Carolina is a better team for the time being. Uh, but down the road, I'm interested to see how these contracts age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, well, as for the Eric Carlson rumors, I think I saw that he might go to the Oilers, uh, which is like, if you, if like a power play can't get scary enough. Um, so, so there was that, those rumors there. And then I think the other one was maybe Seattle, which would be interesting too. Yeah, but, Seattle would definitely be interesting for yeah. sure. Um, but I, um, I just feel like he wants a chance to win. And for the Oilers, the the salary cap is the big yeah. X. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Even if the Sharks retain salary, that's going to be a tough trade to pull off. Right. But Carolina has so so many moving pieces that they could part ways with in a deal. True. Uh, that I think um, they could make, make them a primary trade target. Well, the only that's, thing that, that's why I hear Carolina a lot. The only thing about Carolina, though, is, well, one, it's like the whole reason why Burns went to Carolina was just because like, of Carlson's big contract. Um, so it would just be funny if, he, uh, if Carlson joins Brent Burns again um, in Carolina. Um, the other you thing... You know why also Brent Burns wanted to go to Carolina? So he could have his own team? So he could win a cup. Oh, yeah. True, true. Uh, but... Um, the other point I was going to make was the fact that I feel like because of the Orloff signing and it was such a huge amount, plus Brent Burns, like I don't know if they could afford to get Eric Carlson anymore. Um, so the Sharks would have to retain salary in any yeah. Eric Carlson trade, even if they say they don't, they're lying. Right, right. They exactly. have to retain salary. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. I, I don't think Carolina makes sense for for Carlson just from a. Cap they would have to move contracts out to make yeah, it yeah. happen, and the Sharks would have to retain salary. But yeah. I don't think that's impossible. Yeah, but like you could say the same for the Oilers. Um, you could say the same for a lot of these teams. Um, so so there's there's that, um, and yeah, also just the Orloff deal. I feel like that's just like. A sign like, oh wait, we're we're not getting Eric Carlson. Let's just you know, let's let's sign Orlov to a huge deal. Um, and um, the Tarasenko one, I I think there was like Shayna Goldman um, did announce that Tar- it looked like Tarasenko was going to Carolina, but then like like a day later, it seemed like there was some snafu that Tarasenko was just going to wait. Um, so, so there might be something there for Tarasenko going to Carolina, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, I think Carolina is still going to be in the hunt. It's just a yeah. process reset because when that tweet was sent, uh, Tarasenko, I don't think, had switched agents. And it was right. a few days later where Freeman Fair. dropped the bomb that he switched agents, process resets. Right, 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 right. Um, okay. Uh, now we go to – so Shane Gostaspair was the guy that Carolina had – he goes to Detroit, and that's the next team we're going to talk about. Oh, I, I guess I should mention uh, before we go to Detroit, actually. Um, will this work? I'm, I'm going to say no. Like, what's interesting to me is, like, I keep on seeing this everywhere. I'm like, oh, Carolina won the free agency market. And I'm like, wait a second, how? 
Um, I don't necessarily understand that part. It's like, yeah, Bunting and Orloff are good, and you, like Freddie Anderson was the best goaltender available, I feel like, when healthy. So, like, yeah, they get to keep him too. But on the other hand, it's like you, you don't – like the Orloff contract is a little bit fishy. The Bunting contract, I'm not sure that's going to be great long term. So I'm not sure if they won – Will this work? I think, I think it might work. It will. It will definitely. Like, it, there's still contenders, obviously, in, in the on the Hurricanes. But I guess to your point, it's like I think there are a couple more moves that Carolina will make. Uh, so we don't know for sure. Um, but at the moment, I say like maybe. <laughs> will this work? <laughs> I don't know. I think to classify. I think we need to classify what work what, means. What, what work um, means, yeah, fair I enough. think it works if it gets them to the if it makes them If it makes them a better team than they were in the last the last year. That's what I thought it would mean. Like, I okay. Mean, I, I would say they're at least on the same level. Okay. I, I, I would strongly say they're on the same level as last year. And I had doubts about them last year. Uh, and the year before that, and they proved me wrong both times, sure. and it clearly showed they were the alpha males of the Metro Division. Uh, even though they had competition breathing down their necks, they were able to outlast them, and they made it to the second round one year and the conference finals the next. Um, but I think now you need to be thinking finals if you're Carolina, at yep. least a finals appearance. Yep. Um, because going to the second round of the conference finals, that just won't do. You're so close to getting to that next level, you've got to find a way to make it there. Yep. Um, okay. So now our next team is Detroit, and as I mentioned, they lose. Like Carolina doesn't have Shane Goes to Spare anymore. He goes to Detroit. Um, and Detroit, I think, was like the most active on July 1st, because I'm seeing like they had like a 11 signings basically on July 1st, which is pretty crazy. Um, so they sign, um, I guess I'll, I'll start with like the most notable ones. James Reimer, one-year deal, $1.5 million. Uh, Justin Hole, uh, three years, $3.4 million. <laughs> Clem Costin, two years, $2 million. Um, Alex Lyon, uh, two years, $900K. Um, so that could be a potential steal because that was a big reason why Florida even made the playoffs. Um, towards the end of their their time, so if you can do that in Detroit, that that, that would be pretty nice. Um, JT Confer, this one's one is pretty strange. Five years, five point one million. Um, they also have Daniel Sprong, which I didn't mention. One year, uh, two million. Shane Gosespair, one year, four point one million. Christian Fisher, which was the next day, one year, one point one two five million. Uh, they also sign. These aren't as notable, but they also signed Nolan Stevens and John Lethamon um, uh, sometime this week as well. Alex Lyon and uh, Christian Fisher, by the way, um, two key depth guys there. Christian Fisher was in the Coyotes organization, expected to be one of the better young players, but didn't really blossom into that. He was just around. And Mm -hmm. Alex Lyon, of course, uh, went on that big run with the Panthers late in the season to get them to the playoffs. So... I think he's good goaltending depth if they need it. 
Well, that's what I just said about Alex Lyon. I don't know if you heard me on that. Okay, or not. yeah, sorry. It's I, fine. I, I <laughs> my ear is bugging. It's fine, it's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was one of those things. So, there are reports that Alex DeBrincat, um only wants to go to one team, and that's the Detroit Red Wings. That's where he grew up in. So, um, it looks like Ottawa and Detroit are working on a deal to get Alex DeBrincat in Detroit. Um and so that's very possible but when uh so i told this to steve and we had a long discussion about uh where like what what could ottawa get out of alex to bring cat knowing this and i was saying like well uh pierre dorian doesn't have a ton of leverage because he like to bring cat only wants to go to one team um and um, yes, of course, Debrinkat's like a goal-scoring winger, so you don't find those every single day. But um, but it's very possible that this is going to be a very cheap, cheap trade just because like uh, like Ottawa doesn't have any leverage anymore. But um, but then when I was looking at the cap friendly trade uh, a page when I was trying to figure out like what trade could I see happening for Detroit, I was like wait a second, they got Ghost Despair, and then I already knew that they got Daniel Sprong, which I was um, excited about. I didn't realize they got uh, James Reimer, which I'm not as enthused about, but I I really did like that um, uh, Ghost Despair one-year deal uh, worth $4.125 million. I did like the Clem Colston deal, $2 million for two years, because he was pretty good for Edmonton. Um especially when he wasn't really playing with Dreisaitl or McDavid for most of that time there. So, um, so he might, he might be a good, uh, low key, nice signing for Detroit there. And they got him for free from Edmonton. So, so there's something there. Um, and I, I talked about it this last week about Daniel Sprong, who I like, um, who I like, you know, he roughly had like, like 50 points, um, on the fourth line in Seattle. So, um, who knows, like, he'll, he'll probably get more ice time in Detroit, but it's definitely a nice deal. I'm not as enthused about the James Reimer deal, $1.15 I did hear you snicker when I mentioned Justin Hole. Um, he's yeah. not that good of a player, but um, especially for three years, so that's not good. JT Comfort one, I'm not sure why they did that. Uh, he had 52 points this year. I yeah. can at least justify it. Fair, but five years? I don't know. It's, it seems yeah, that is a bit long. Um, and it's like it would be one thing if this was like, um, let's say, like a Nazem Kadri type player, but like, I don't know. I feel you like an Andrew Cop player. Though, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, Andrew Cop wasn't that good last year either. So it's like, okay. It's like now it's like the big issue with Detroit is is that they only have three good players and that's Dylan Larkin, Mo Sider, and uh, Lucas Raymond, and um, and I don't think like yeah I I make I think Ghost Despair is going to be have another good year for them uh, for for Detroit, but oh and and I guess Jonathan Bergegren who I think is where uh, which will probably be involved in that Ottawa Senators trade. Um, but, um, but like, you look at this lineup and you're like, yeah, this team is not good. So, um, it's interesting, too, because I feel like Steve Yeiserman, like, when he started 
the Detroit Red Wings job, we were all like wondering, like we were all like saying like, oh, he's a genius. Everything he touches turns to gold, especially after that like most cider hit and after um, Lucas Raymond hit. But then after that, it's like, okay, Yeiserman, what are you doing now? It's like, you know, this is his, like, what, his fourth year um, as a GM here for Detroit? It's like, yeah, you, you, you understand that they're on a rebuild. It takes time. But at the same time, I don't think they're getting progressively better. Um, and um, and he might have actually made their, their team worse, um, especially, like, the James Reimer one. Alex Lyon might be a decent pull because you never really know with goalies and like we just mentioned that like you know he did kind of he did have a run to get the Florida Panthers into the playoffs um although he did end up falling apart once they got into the playoffs but uh like you know that's still like not for nothing um James Reimer is not good anymore um, so it is a one-year deal. He also so gave Nedeljkovic that, that contract yeah. that didn't age well. Yeah, that's Everyone thought at the time, it's like, oh, he's yeah, a genius. That's a brilliant thing. Um, I will give him credit for the Clint Costin trade. I will give him credit for Ghost of Spare and Sprong. But um, and Andrew Kopp, I, I don't know what happened to him. I, I don't watch a ton of Detroit Red Wings games. But Andrew Kopp was decent the year before uh, the Red Wings signed him. Um, it's just like, it is a little weird though, because it's like, okay, you sign Andrew Kopp to five, a five-year contract worth 5.625 million. Um, and then you would think like, and then he stinks the next year. And so then you think it's like, like, oh, we shouldn't do that anymore. And then they sign a five-year for 5 million per for J to JT Comfer who's like plays a similar He also game. gave a three year contract at four million to yeah. Robbie Fabry who yeah. doesn't really move the needle either. Well the thing with Fabry is is he's good but he just is injured all the time. Um well true but you're still giving four million right. to a guy that, you know Yeah, I guess doesn't really play much for you. Although right. in the games he played last year, sixteen points in twenty eight games. Like yeah. that's that's what I mean. Respectable point production. Well, that's what I mean. It's like he has to be healthy, but that's the thing is he's never healthy. Um, and Dominic Kubalik, he did have those moments early on in the season, but yeah. he kind of stopped being as good. So, so something has to give with Detroit. They made a lot of moves, um, and I will give them credit for some of them, as I just mentioned. But other ones, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not... Like, I guess this will probably be a different team once they do end up getting to Burnkat on this team, and we'll see what, what happens there. But the fact that, like... I don't know. I Like, it feels like it's just Dylan Larkin and Mo Sider and everyone else. And that's <laughs> not good. <laughs> well, and so... So, um... I'll get to the financial side of the Debrinket thing because apparently um, the Red Wings and Debrinket's agent Jeff Jackson, mm -hmm. um, a, a, a number of teams have been given permission to talk to Alex regarding a potential long term deal. Oh, okay. I didn't because that. Uh, Alex Debrinket says um, he's willing to come back to Ottawa for another year, but it doesn't sound like a long term extension with Ottawa is in the cards that he wants to test the free agent market that maybe he uh, speculation he prefers to play in America which yeah you know what closer to home and he's you know from Michigan so like I totally get that 100% um, here's the thing about Alex Dabrinkit 
is that apparently he's looking for Timo Meyer money, which he, for those who've forgotten already, Timo Meyer got eight by 8.8 with New Jersey. And um, Alistair Brinkett is coming off a 27 goal season in which he was a minus 31 and played on a secondary line that uh, was not as good as people were hoping it would be. Um, he wasn't the top scorer in Ottawa. In fact, I don't think he was the top. He was in the top uh, one, two, or three in goal scoring for the Sens. And you know, if you're being paid uh, eight point eight million per year, you're expected to be you know the forty goal scorer that people know you for. And if this is a sign of things to come, that's not great. If you're just going to be forking over that kind mm-hmm. of money to get him locked up to a contract extension. And the fact that it's also a flat cap um, also doesn't really uh, help the Brinkett's cause in terms of getting the money that he wants right now. He might have to suck it up and, you know, take a one-year deal and then hit the open market when, you know, the market is a little bit better. Um, Or maybe he feels that now is the best time to cash in because other people are going to be getting his money next offseason when... Uh, the summer uh, crop of free agents is clearly better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, I guess, another thing to keep in mind uh, on that front. Uh, but Debrinket has got age in his favor. He's currently 25 years old, pushing 26. He'll be around 27 when he has the open market. And then uh, there's also a bit of untapped potential there in terms of consistency. Um, He's, he's a hard worker, he plays hard, he wants to win. So all of all of that should intrigue Detroit. And his pure goal scoring ability, his ability to shoot the puck from anywhere, like he would instantly be the top go-to guy for offense in Detroit if he goes to Detroit. The problem with that is you're gonna have to give up assets to get him in terms of prospects, in terms of picks. I think Ottawa would be intrigued in, you know, a first round pick or a second round pick or any pick from Detroit, because there's no guarantees that Detroit is going to instantly improve with the break it, meaning that pick is going to be of pretty high value wherever it happens to land. Hmm. And Ottawa could easily trade that pick for an asset that helps them now, because similar to Detroit, uh, the pressure to win is there and it's instant. Um, like, I'm sure the fans are begging for Steve Eiserman to strike a deal and get to break it on this roster ASAP. The thing that I will caution about a DeBrinket long-term extension is let's say he does get his wish and he gets Timo Meyer money eight by 8.8 or whatever it happens to be. Uh, keep in mind that Moritz Sider is a restricted free agent after this coming season. Keep in mind that Lucas Raymond is a restricted free agent after the end of the season. And Jonathan Berggren, if he has a breakout season, is also going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. And while they might have $13.5 million in cap space, and while the cap might go up, that cap space could vanish like that. So uh, Stevie Y kind of has to play his hand right, because if he overplays it, all of a sudden that cap space is gone and then you're really limited into how you can improve this roster. So that's where I totally understand Detroit's uh, theory of, listen, we we can't 
we're, we're not really sure we can find the money to get this guy. What do you mean you have 13.5 million cap space and just like, hey, I'm playing 5D chess and playing the long range game. Like, yeah. I'm going to be using up that money at some point within the next 12 months. It's just a matter of how right. much of it I'm going to be using up. So that's the risk of, you know, signing a guy that hasn't played a game for you is that if he becomes the highest paid player, a bit higher paid than Larkin is, then all of a sudden the young guys looking at it's just like, okay, well, I'm not taking any hometown discounts to stay right, here. Right, right. I'm going to get my bag. And I know I'm going to get it on the open market if Detroit's not going to give it to me. Yeah, but so when when we have this discussion, well, first off, you, you sidetracked here. Um, but, of course, I'm not surprised. Because uh, we, we're talking about the Red Wings here, but we're not talking about the frame cat, even though I did bring it up, so I, I knew what I was getting into here. But I will say, um, like, it is, like because I'm just looking at what happened with Timo Meyer, what happened with Taylor Hall, Patrick Kane, like, guys who say that they're only going to want to play for one team, um, and, you know, and then... Um, it, you know, like Timo Meyer eventually did end up signing with with the Devils, uh, but like not right away. Um, the and, Ducks and the Islanders, by the way, are supposedly involved in these talks as well. Yeah. It's not just Detroit. Okay, so yeah, that is a little bit different because I thought he was only willing to go to Detroit. So yeah, that, apparently the Ducks and the Islanders are in the mix as well, and okay. the Ducks also have a fair amount of cap space. Yeah, they're also gonna have to give to young guys, but yeah. they do. Have I was about to say it's like they have Seagrass and Terry to sign. Yeah, uh, but um, the the fact that uh, so so that is a little bit different. Like, let's say because I was assuming that DeBrincat would go to Detroit because that's the only team he wants to go to, and I would imagine it'd be his preference because it's home. Right, 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 right. It's right. his home state. But you know, if if he wants to win a cup, I'm not sure if he like Detroit it makes the most sense. Um, but, uh, but anyways, like, I was thinking, like, okay, it's the only team he wants to go to, um, and, but, like, there's not a guarantee that he wants to sign, like, he wants to sign long-term, you would think that he would, um, but, yeah, so if he, if there is, like, a deal in place where, like, yeah, like, he's, a, he's talking to Yarserman and, um, he's saying, like, yes, I will sign a long-term deal with you, uh, then yes, that would definitely make the price for Debrinkat to go up, um, versus like you know Debrinkat like. But on the other hand, it's like okay, team like if you're Yeiserman, you don't want to like trade Debrinkat um, for only one year. Like you trade like I I was suggesting that like assuming he wasn't going to sign long term, um, and um, and. Uh, you know, like, and then he, like, that's the, that's it, and you just test free agency. So, it, it all comes down to if Debrinkat is willing to sign long-term with Detroit, it does sound, though, like, that Debrinkat does want to test free agency, which would definitely limit the amount of return that the Senators will be able to get, because there's no guarantee that he's going to sign with this new team. Once Correct. he gets traded there, so um, so it sounds like that's the case. That's like okay, maybe he's not gonna like he might just stay an extra year for the Senators and play out his contract, but then he just wants to move out, even though I guess he's still an RFA. Um, so, but um, but yeah, he could still like um, it, it, it. You know, it just makes it tougher. Um, so so I I 
I, it seems like, um, so that's where I was thinking that he wants to just go to Detroit. But, okay, let's just take away this hypothetical to bring Cat Trade for a second, because we are talking about the Detroit Red Wings. What do you think of their moves? Uh, Justin Hall, why? Uh, let's start there. Yeah. Uh, that's the same amount as Jake Wallman. Uh, that's money you could be using to, I don't know, get to break it, for example, or get someone else. I don't really understand that one bit. I know he's a guy that's, uh, you know, 31 years old, trusted on the penalty kill, um, and he played on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, see, the thing is, the Toronto Maple Leafs, it should be... Detroit Red Wings fans should know this because Leafs Twitter goes mad. After every Justin Hall mistake, sometimes he plays good games that are very, very serviceable. But when he plays bad games, he stinks up the joint. And it leaves the stench of a skunk for over a week afterwards. And they're just unusable. And you gave him $3.4 million for three years. Don't get it. Don't get it for a single second. Yeah. I like the Ghost of Spare one. I think that's good short-term value. Um, Daniel Sprong, one year, $2 million. Love that. Uh, one of Seattle's uh, more efficient shooters last season. Um, I think, you know, he's a good depth scorer. 46 points, 66 games. Um, and even as recent playoff experience, Detroit mm -hmm. hasn't had that. So um, if, if you want a guy with playoff experience, there's that as well. Um, JT Confer, obviously, playoff experience, the Stanley Cup championship. Um, versatility up front. He can play center. He can play right wing. So that's good. Uh, 28 years old as well. The fact that he's 28 years old and this is his best offensive season with 52 points is, I guess, a little bit concerning, um, as well as the fact that it's it's not – like, I feel like maybe you could have gotten someone out of next year's free agency class with that money that might be better than JT Confer, and that's my main issue is I, I feel like it, it's the term, not necessarily the guy that they're getting. I feel like if they got in JT Confer for like two years, three years tops, I'd be more accepting to it. But I do agree that five years at 5.1 for him is a little bit of a risk there, mm -hmm. or it's actually a big risk. Um, so I would say Detroit hasn't gotten worse with these signings, but I don't think they've gotten good enough to the point where they can really move the needle for a playoff spot. They'll be wildcard contenders again, but I don't know if they're going to have the pure goal scoring to really move the needle and get into the dance. So yeah. That's my concern. And that and that remains the case even if they get to bring it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think they are a better team if they do get to bring it. Um, obviously. They are better, but how much better? And yeah, the I, other question is, like, Stevie, why? Like, this team needs pure goal scoring. How bad does he want it? Like, what's he willing to give up? Right, but, like, even still, like, I I, I think that they could, like, yeah, with Debrinkat, it obviously helps them. Because then it's like, because right now it's just they have Dylan Larkin and Mo Sider. Um, so if you add Debrinkat to the mix, it's like, okay, you have another good player on your team. Um so, um, so I could totally see that, um, and I, I'm just assuming that they're not gonna like trade the whole farm to get him. Um, even though I know you hopeful sense fan are thinking that, but I, 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 I'm 
pretty sure that's not going to happen. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, I, I think they are definitely a strong team once they do get to Burnhead, of course. But, um, but even still, yeah, I guess you do have a point that I, I do like some of their moves. Like, I like the Costin deal. I like the, um, the Sprung deal. I like the Ghost of Spare deal as well. But everything else I'm not necessarily a fan of, so I don't know if it will work. But, yeah, it might change my mind if they do get to Burnhead and don't trade a whole lot else out of the way to do that. Um, okay, let's go to Florida here. Um, of course, my cat friendly page uh, checks out as soon as I do that. Um, <laughs> I, I have cat friendly open. What what do you need to know? Well, hold on. I just I think I just need needs to refresh basically. Um, okay, hold on. <sighs> I apologize. I guess this is like dead air here. <laughs> we need to uh, talk here. Um, I do know that uh, they... while you're looking while you're looking for the information, I should remind everyone that Matthew Kachuk, Brandon Montour were banged up uh, during yep. the playoffs. They uh, probably won't be ready to start the year. Uh, so while this doesn't really, um, if, if you know, classify in terms of notable signings and notable losses. It, notable temporary losses I would put this under because yeah. those are two big names that are going to be missing time early and I think that will impact uh, yeah. how the Panthers could do uh, out of the gate. Uh, also Anthony Duclair traded yeah. uh, to San Jose to free up cap space. Well, so I, okay. he's no longer there either. So I do have my the lineup here so I can say the notable signs and the notable losses that I have yeah. uh, here. Also uh, Patrick Hornquist has retired yep. uh, due to injury obviously didn't really play that much last season but he's retired so it's yep. yep. gone too. Um but I do know that they signed um, OEL uh, to a yep. one-year deal. They also signed Evan Rodriguez uh, to mm-hmm. a. Uh, do you have the contract on on you of what they did? Uh, yes, I I do. Uh, Evan Rodriguez is a four-year deal at three million per season. Twenty-nine oh, wow. years old. Yep. Uh, notable losses: Duclair, um, as Steve just mentioned. There's also uh, Radko Gudis, who ends up going to Anaheim. It was, uh, it was a pretty bad signing there in Anaheim as well. I'm not sure what they're doing could, there. Could be the overpay of the offseason. Yeah. I'd say that's a pretty that's, strong candidate. That's definitely fair, especially when you have, like, Olin Zellweger there and Jamie Drysdale yeah. um, in the mix. Um, and they also have, like, a, you know, Minchikov, who's going to be pretty good. I mean, I know Zellweger yeah. and Minchikov haven't played a game in the NHL just yet, but uh, that was some, like, those were two guys that you were going to be excited for uh, this year. And, it's like, they, we need guys yeah. that can make it very tough for the other team to yep. play against us and not push us around. Oh, how about aging veterans that have gone on deep playoff runs? Oh, Alex Kaloran from Florida, he won two cups? <laughs> yeah, get him over here. Hey, Rocco Goose just went to the yeah. finals. We'll take him too. Maybe that was it. They just were thinking like, "Oh, right, the Florida teams. What? What was the best part about that?" It's like, let's take a depth guy from yeah from he, Tampa. He hurts people. Yeah, and then let's get a, tam- a depth guy from Tampa. Let's also just get a uh, like a depth defenseman from Florida. Um, so yeah. 
Um, although I will say, like, Radko, I know you, you're not a huge fan of Radko Gudis. He, he isn't as bad as you say he is. He's just, he's not Yeah, good. He, he's cleaned up his acts a little bit, I've noticed. He's, he's been yeah. pretty calm in terms of... He's just, he's just not really a scorer, per se, per yeah. se. Um, and, uh, so yeah, there's, there's that. Um, and yeah, as you, and, uh, you've... I, I didn't realize that about Randy Montorza and Matthew Kachuk that they're going to miss the first couple of games of season, but also we had talked about how Aaron Ekblad is also going to miss a few. Yeah, yeah, that's a big loss too, yeah. Um, so so there's that as well. So that's that's definitely um, a big factor here. Um, okay, my cat-friendly page. I, I appreciate the stall <laughs> here, no pun intended. But, um, it should also be noted that Spencer Knight uh, is expected to be oh, ready for the start of the season, yep. so he's four point five million cap yep. hit, uh, which kicks in next year uh, and into the next two years after that. Uh, that will also impact the salary cap, which I think is mm. probably why Duclair was shipped out um, yep. to make room for Spencer Knight's new cap hit. Well, that and Evan Rodriguez as well. But uh, well, so, also, yeah. yeah, they also brought in uh, Nico Mikola for defensive yeah. depth. That's a three-year contract. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So I um, so I got Pat Friendly to work. Woo. Okay. Um. So yeah, those were we had kind of already talked about all these guys, but um, I'll say it again, I guess. Uh. So um, so Mackie Samoskevich, who was pretty good in Michigan the last two years, even though he had some pretty good teammates, but. Uh, he signs an entry-level contract. Oh, I guess that was in May. Um, but Mike Riley, uh, one year, one million. Uh, Gregory Danisenko, Gregory Danisenko, uh, two years, seven point seven five or seventy seven hundred k basically. Um, then you have Dmitry Kulikov for one year, one million. Um, Nico Mikola, uh, three years, two point five million. Um, OEL for one year, two point two five million. That one's not a bad deal. I feel like just from the standpoint that yeah, he's not as good as what he was in Arizona, um, but he he could use a new change of scenery, um, and it's it's just for one year. And as you just mentioned, like okay, they're not gonna have Montour, uh, they're not gonna have Ekblad, and even once they have them back, it's like it takes a while for them to recover. So. That's like that could be a, a good placeholder for them um, once once those guys are healthy. Um, then you have Lucas Carlson, um, one year seventy seven five million. Anthony Stolarz, uh, that's not a bad deal. One year, one point one five one million. There, um, Evan Rodriguez is the big one. I think I should mention uh, four years, three million. Um, Alex True, Kevin Stenlin, Gerald Mayhew, William Lockwood, and Rasmus Asplund are also on the Florida Panthers as well. Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. I don't, like, you know, as as for the question that we were saying is, like, will it work? Like, the the, the fact that from, from the context that we're saying that it's, like, is it going to be better than, um, like, basically... Will it work if it's better than what they did last year, which was make it to the Stanley Cup Finals? So the only thing better than that would be win the Stanley Cup. I don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup. But, um, but yeah, granted that they don't have Aaron Ekblad, they won't have Aaron Ekblad for the first half of the season. They they now don't have Brandon Montour. 
uh, for the first half of the season as well, or most of the first half. Um, yeah, just having OEL could could help them out there. Um, and yeah, who knows what's going to happen with Spencer Knight? You you hope that he uh, adjusts better, but he is in the assistant the player assistance program, and maybe he comes back better than ever and what we expect him to be. But uh, but there's, it's also possible that he's just never the same. Um, after that, so we'll just see. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely um, it's an interesting move, I guess, for, for the Panthers. Um, as for Evan Rodriguez, I, I, it is a little bit of an interesting contract, just from the standpoint that it's a long-term contract. Like, yeah, three million is not bad for someone like like him, but at the same time, it, it, it feels a little bit strange to have him there when you do. I guess. Maybe it's a sign that Sam Bennett is not going to be there long-term. Because um, you have uh, Sam Bennett for two more years at 4.425. Um, There's guess, also Sam Reinhardt's cap, which yeah. is heftier than Bennett, so I can see that being trade bait as well. Well, I only mentioned Bennett just because he's a center, whereas Reinhardt is a right winger. Although I know that when Reinhardt was drafted, he was a center. Um, and he did play a couple mm-hmm. of center uh or he he was a center sometimes in buffalo but uh he's been i'd be scared to commit long term to sam reinhardt not gonna lie to you right no you've mentioned that before but uh but sam reinhardt the only reason why i mentioned sam bennett was more that sam bennett's a center um and reinhardt's a right winger um yeah um and and evan rodriguez is also a center um so so that like i'm wondering if like maybe like, I guess maybe Evan Rodriguez would be a third-line center. Um, that's possible. But then they also have Anton Lundell. So it's like, what what are you doing there? Um, so so maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just insurance um, in case Lundell doesn't t- take that extra step. Um, he, he really had a sophomore slump this past, uh, this past year. Um, yeah. So we'll see what, what happens with Lundell. But, yeah, the... Um, yeah, I don't know. I I guess uh, I guess it could work, um, but we'll have to see. I think it's it's one of those things that like it depends on how how good uh, Ekblad, Montour, and Kachuk are when they're recovering, or how long they're going to take to recover. So a couple of things. Um, so Aaron Ekblad, if he misses time. Uh, is right-handed shot, meaning Montour would be the first pairing option. Um, There are no premium right-handed shots on the blue line, or I should say primary right-handed shots on the blue line besides Ekblad and Montour. The other options are Josh Mahura, who plays both the left and the right, or who can play both left and the right. He has experience in both, according to Cap Friendly. Same thing for Dmitry Kulikov, who, hey, speaking of former, former Panthers finding their way back, mm-hmm. uh, they got him back. Uh, he's uh, He can play either side of uh, the blue line there. Um, but on the left side, you have Gustav Forsling, Nico Mikola, who's new, three-year deal, 2.5 mil per. Albrechtman Larson, as you mentioned, on that one-year deal. And Mike Riley, who the Bruins bought out, and they signed for one-year, one million. Um, so that's their left-handed side in terms of primary left-handed shots. That's who they have. And then, like I said, Kulikov and Mahura can play either side of the blue line. With those key injuries, with that blue line, 
I don't even see Florida as a playoff team. I I, I had doubts even going into the offseason with those injuries if they were going to make it. And after the signings that they've made, I mean, they're all right. They're not worse off, but they're not better. And I think in order for them to be better, Oliver ekman Larson needs to find his Arizona Coyotes form again. Because uh, since he's left Vancouver, he hasn't displayed that, and he needs to be a significant part of that offense in order for um, the Florida Panthers to really kick ass and not miss a beat. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, Lindell struggled. Barkov also struggled yep. uh, until late in the year when he started to pick it up. Um, so they need him in his prime form as well. I just have a lot of doubts about this roster in general, aside from the new people that they brought in. So, um, yeah, I mean, they uh, given the cap space, they did what they could. But, I mean, I, I don't know if they really gotten significantly better than you know, game five of the finals where they got slaughtered by Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to, uh, yeah, as, as we just mentioned, it seemed like they overachieved in Florida, but then at the same time, it's like this is, like, uh, they were able to beat two, three very good teams to get there. Um, so, um, so it, it is definitely possible that they could pull off another run um, again. But yeah, it, I don't know if it, it doesn't inspire confidence, I guess. Um, and also, like, you look at Miracle Runs of the past, like the 2017 yep. Senators, they True. fell from grace rather quickly. Yep. Um, they're one of the worst teams in the league the year after right. that run to the conference finals near the set Stanley Cup finals of 2017. And then, of course, even Montreal, they had that mm-hmm. run out of nowhere in 2021. And then 2022, they were one of the worst in the league. Yeah. So, um, and those teams, you know, they did next to nothing significant the following offseason. And, you know, I think that contributed to their downfall, but there were also injuries and yeah. a bunch of other things too. And I kind of fear that Florida could be headed down that road, especially when you consider that uh, they don't have a first pick, and need I remind people, in 2024 yep. or 2025. And if one of those picks is top 10 protected, well, then uh, they're going to probably keep one of those two picks that they gave up, and then they're going to yep. have no first in 2026. Well, I, so. I, I feel like on that I'll push back a little bit because I don't think they're going to be a top 10 Lotter- like I don't think they're a lottery team. Like They'll still be in the mix. I would hope not. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's just like it's very like it, it just would be given what happened to them this past season where they barely made the playoffs. That could happen again. It's it's possible. I could see that. Um, but yes, I agree that I don't think they're like the the top three in the Atlantic right now. Um, okay, uh, we move to the Pittsburgh Penguins here. That's our last team here. Uh, that we're going to We, we save the most debate worthy for last point. Sure, yeah. Um, actually, a little bit uh, uh, behind the cur- curtains moment here is um, I almost didn't include the Penguins in our talk. Um, and that, because I wanted to talk about the Dallas Stars, but then I started to realize, like, I don't know how much we can really talk about because all I do like that Matthew Shane deal. They also signed Sam Steele, but I was like, all right, I don't know if they're totally interesting. So I gave it up to Steve to say, like, okay, um, 
is there a more interesting team that you can think of that we should talk about instead of the Dallas Stars? Uh, Pittsburgh was the main one that he wanted to talk about. So uh, here we are. Um, so they do sign um, Tristan Jari to a five or resign him to a five-year deal, five point three seven five million per. Ryan Graves, uh, six million four point five million. Nola Chari, three years, two million. Uh, I guess Nola Charlie likes Matt Dumba or not Matt Dumba, Kyle Dubas. Oh, why did I think Matt Dumba? Uh, yeah, there are a lot of, by the way, former Maple Leafs yeah. uh, that he signs. Yep. <laughs> uh, Lars Eller goes uh, to the Penguins as well, two years, two point four five. Uh, Juna Kupanen. Um, uh, yeah, I'll just read these names because the rest of these are just like guys, basically. Uh, Juna Kupanen, Mark Johnstone. Radim Sahorna, Magnus Helberg, Will Butcher, who he, he did have some prominence, I feel like, a couple of years ago. But, um, Radim Zahorna, also a former Maple Leaf yep. for a hot minute. Vini Hinestroza, um, I believe he was a Leaf as well. And Andreas Yo- Johnson, who was definitely a Leaf. Former Leaf. Yep. yep. A one-year, 800K there. Um, I forgot he was still in the league, honestly. Uh, but yeah, he was he yeah. was buried in the devil's system and then was uh, basically a throw-in in the yeah. uh, Timo Meyer trade at the deadline. Yep, yep. Um, and then in terms of key notable losses, uh, I just put in Justin Zuck, Jason Zucker, um, who goes to Arizona. There's also Brian Dumoulin, um, who I think yeah. went to uh, um, New they Jersey. They lost <laughs> Brian Paley and Nick Benino as well. Okay, those aren't as notable. But, uh, yeah, no. uh, yeah, so they made a lot of moves. Um, I don't know if I like the Ryan Graves deal. He's another one who I, I guess, oh yeah, this is his second Metro team. I forgot he was in Colorado before, but, um, but yeah, so, so Ryan Graves, uh, takes a long-term deal, 4.5 million. Uh, that's a lot, um, <laughs> for six years. Um, so uh, but that that might have been like the Brian Dumoulin replacement, I think. Um, yeah. So when you so. when you take it that way, then yeah, okay, that makes some sense. And Dumoulin's older than Graves, but at the same time, it's like I don't know. I don't love when teams or when there's a lot of like long term contracts given out to guys that may not deserve it. So I feel like the Penguins may end up regretting that Ryan Graves deal, but we'll see. Um, and then the big one here is uh, Tristan. Oh, I guess. Well, there's another big one, Lars Eller. Uh, he he definitely loves the Metro Division. This is you know he went to, <laughs> he was in Washington for a while. Um, oh yeah, I guess he was in Montreal for a bit. But um, but yeah, so he he's uh, that's another interesting signing there. Um, At least but, it's for two years, though. That's yeah. not terrible. The big. One, though, that I feel like is going to cause us some debate is Tristan Jari. Uh, he, yeah, resigns, <laughs> he's, he resigns for five years, $5.375 million. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird because, like, I, I don't know what I take from Tristan Jari. I feel like he's an okay goaltender. Um, like, would I, if I were the Penguins, would I sign him to this contract? Probably not. However... I do understand why they do it. Um, it's not like you know he's he's a he's an okay goaltender, um, and he could win you some games. Uh, but 
I don't, like I I guess it's, it's just it's always risky when you when you sign guys long term like that. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. But like it could like I feel like it could end up being good for them, but it might not be. Like it's better than like I'm thinking last year where Jack Campbell signed for five years, five million, and that's looked horrible from day one. Now, um, whereas like you know I guess there's a potential that Tristan Jari. He's like twenty eight years old. He's not exactly young, but he's not like goalies tend to develop later. Um, I've noticed. Um, so as a twenty eight goaltender for five years, that's not bad, really. I think. I mean, I just feel like he's been kind of trending in the opposite direction, um, and. His numbers also haven't been that consistent. His save percentages, um, in 2017-18, his first taste of NHL hockey, he played 26 games, 908 save percentage. So that's that's fine. I give that a pass. Um, then in 33 games in 2019-20, he had a 921 save percentage. That's good. Uh, out of him and Matt Murray, he was the better goalie that year. Um, then the next year, it goes down to a 909, though, and his GAA goes up from 2.43 to 2.75. It goes back down to 2.42, not this past season, but the one before in 58 games, 919 save percentage. The only reason why he didn't really get any playoff action is because he got hurt, and uh, they had to ride Casey DeSmith and Louis Domingue for most of that series up until Game 7 when he did his best to uh, get his team to the second round and ultimately failed in overtime. Uh, and then this past year, he had a 909 save percentage and a GAA that was pushing three in 47 games, and they missed the playoffs. And there were just big moments where Tristan Jerry just made these errors in judgment that really burned his ink. I remember one moment in the Islanders series where Sorokin was playing out of his mind. The Penguins looked like they had all the momentum. They were in overtime. And a misstep by Tristan Jerry ends up in the back of their net, and they lose, and that changes the outcome of that series. The Islanders win in six. Who knows if Pittsburgh wins that game, how that series ends. And I just think in the, in the big moment situations, uh, Tristan Jerry has had a couple of major blunders that make me question if he's the guy that you can go to. And then your backup is Alex Nedeljkovic at $1.5 million, who, yes, has NHL potential and yes, has shown it in the past but the past couple of years have also been pretty spotty for him to the point where Detroit was riding Magnus Hellberg as their backup right, right. for the, you know, down the stretch. He was in the minors. Um, so they weren't even using the Delkovich for that period of time. Uh, you look at their defense. Uh, Jeff Petrie is 35. Chris Letang is 36 and uh, has had health issues. Marcus Peterson, arguably their best all around defenseman, is 27. He's not getting any younger, and he's pushing 30. Jan Ruda is currently 32 years old. Uh, Chad Ruedel, a depth defenseman, doesn't cost much, but he's 33 years old. And Ryan Graves at 28, you're locking him up for six years. Like, there are only three contracts that uh, had longer lengths on July 1st, and all three of them were on the Islanders. And Dubas gives five years to Tristan Cherry and six years to Ryan Graves. And Ryan Graves might not be, you know, a bad defenseman. He's, I think, a pretty good defenseman, actually. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like there's a ceiling where if you put him into a primetime situation, I don't know if he can be a first-pairing defenseman 
I think in the right situations, he's a good second-pairing defenseman. But, again, there's just a lot of uncertainty with that group, with that blue line with Petrie and Latang there. There's also that prospect, again, like we talked about in the Carolina conversation, that Pittsburgh might be uh, gunning after Eric Carlson, which, again, like, yeah, I mean, if you got Eric Carlson on your team, that would generate a lot of buzz that would put, you know, bums in unfilled seats or whatever unfilled seats there are in Pittsburgh right now. But, again... Carlson's like 33 and he's coming mm. off the best season of his career after, you know, seasons of battling through injury. So there's even risk with doing that as well. And then you have, you know, the forward signings uh, that you mentioned that they brought in Riley Smith for trade. He has yep. two years left at 5 million per he's 32 years old currently. So what if you only get up a third round pick? He's already in his thirties. Uh, Lars Eller is 34 years old. I, that's why I like the term at two years. That's perfect for a veteran 34-year-old. That's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, Nola Chari, I like that deal. Three years, $2 million per season. But again, he's 31 years old. Matt Nieto, who they brought in at 900 k per year for two years. He's 30 currently. Mm. Uh, Andreas Johnson, who you got in a flyer, 28 years old as well. So I, I they have the opportunity to build around Latang and Malkin and Crosby and Brian Rust and Jake Ansel and all the others. And I just, I just feel like there's a time and place to make moves and spend that money. And I don't think this year was that off season. If Kyle Dubas was going to go out and spend money on those guys, I would like it for shorter term, like three yeah. years being the highest that I go for. Because when you look into next season, that is where you can really turn the corner and make some splashy moves. Like, uh, for example, for Tristan Jerry, if you just brought him back for a year, uh, what's like, let's say, and it keeps getting refuted that John Gibson wants out of Anaheim. He keeps rejecting the idea that he wants out of Anaheim. But, I mean, Pittsburgh's his hometown. Yeah. And I would say John Gibson is better than Tristan Jerry today. Uh, so I don't know about that. if in, in, injury prone, it, I would say Jerry is probably gets the advantage. Like I would probably take Jerry. Over yeah, but even still, like John Gibson hasn't been good in the last four years. I mean, look at the defense he's played in. I yeah, but I, I I know, but like I don't think Tristan Jerry could do any better. Okay, big picture. Connor Hallebuck. Let's say he would yeah. be willing to go. To that's a better. That's a better team. example. That's a better that's, example. That's a, yeah, you could have gotten Connor Hallebuck there. Yeah. Or you could have gotten someone else. Which is why I feel like Jerry might have been a good two-year option. If if I was Dubas, I'd probably yeah. prefer Jerry I at two so. years. And, and instead, now you're gonna commit money to guys that are you know just like your core, you know hitting that 30 plus mark and it's just like if, if you're really turning the corner and thinking that this team is going to be even better like realistically how much better are they compared to teams in their division they're not better than carolina currently they're not better than the doubles currently they're not better than the rangers currently they're on the same level as the islanders and the capitals right now and they're definitely better than uh columbus yep. and uh philadelphia and you never know with our working team like Columbus, hmm. maybe they could play spoiler and take the league by storm. Who knows? So I just feel like 
the Pittsburgh Penguins at the stage where they're clearly past their prime, Kyle Dubas had chances to reinvent the wheel and get the Pittsburgh Penguins back on track. And on some of these signings, I think he missed the boat, and it's probably going to cost him. And part of the reason why I'm debating Pittsburgh's decision-making is because this is a team that expects to win the Cup mm-hmm. and still thinks that they can win the Cup. I don't don't know why they think that, but okay, feel free. And I, I just feel like also this is, you know, Kyle Dubas in a situation where he can actually spend more money because he has the freedom within the roster right. to spend more money. He doesn't have the core for or eating up a good chunk of the salary, he can actually go out there and be proactive. Right. And well, there are some, you know, the bargain contracts like Henestrosa and Johnson, like, yeah, those are great moves. But the Graves and Jerry contracts, I see those, and I'm going, man, why are you doing that? Well, on that, I will push back because, like, yes, you're right. Of course, he doesn't have the... He has more freedom than he did in Toronto. Um and that's kind of, like, supposedly that's what he wanted because, like, he was upset with Shanahan with not having as much control as he would have liked. But on the other hand, it's like they don't necessarily have a ton of cap space because you have um, you have Sidney Crosby. They're 2.3 million over the cap currently, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware. The cap space is gone. But, but that's because it's like, that Crosby's making 8.7 million, which is obviously a bargain for Crosby, um, even at, as a 35 year old. Um, 6.1 million for Malkin, which is a bargain for, uh, uh, for um, for him, even though he's 36 years old. Um, but and then you have Jake Gensel for six million, and he's a UFA next year. Um, yeah. So. Uh, you have that, and then I guess like you know, and this was this was uh, Kyle Dubas didn't sign Chris Letang for four more five more years. Um, after he also this didn't sign Brian Rust and Ricard Raquel. Yeah, that was uh, Ron Hextall last. That's month. true too. Yeah, R- Ricard Raquel and Brian Rust is another one. Although like you could justify Rust and Raquel, maybe not Letang, but um, so so it's like he's it's not like a. Like, there was a reason when, when he was hired for the Penguins, you were saying, like, yeah, it's not an enviable position to be in. Like, it's probably one of the toughest contract teams or, like, just from a cap standpoint to deal with um, at this moment. But, yes, you do have a point that's like, okay, so given all that, you still sign a long-term deal to Tristan Jari. You still sign Ryan Graves to a long-term contract as well. I'm not sure if that's the smartest use of your money, Especially when you do have Jake Gensel being a UFA next year, and you don't want to waste the last two years of Sidney Crosby's contract. Although he'll probably stay and, and uh, sign with the Pits uh, with the Penguins because he's that kind of guy. Um, so so he'll probably stay with the Penguins um, and, and sign yeah, another like sweetheart deal. Yeah, like he's won three cups. He'd yeah. probably be willing to just like retire, set off into yeah. the sunset, regardless of what stays the team is in. Exactly. Um, or. I could actually, now that I'm thinking about it, what's what's probably going to happen is Crosby's going to sign with the Colorado Avalanche just so he yeah, can play with his Yeah, buddy. and play with McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I was just thinking the same yeah. thing at the same time you were. <laughs> but uh, but even still, it's like, you know, like at the end of that contract, it's like Crosby did pretty much everything the Penguins have done 
Um, like he's already won three cups. It's like he's happy with his life. Um, but uh, so so there's that. But um, but yeah. So it's, it's it's definitely like a tough job. But I guess you do have a point that's like okay, they do have some money somehow, and uh, and yeah, they do it on Tristan Jari and uh, Ryan Graves. I'm not like I I get your point on Jari. Um, and yeah, I guess it does make sense to sign him for a shorter term, but I, I don't know if I, like, he's not like a bad goalie. He's not like a Martin Jones here we're talking about, or like, I don't know, like a Philip Grubauer, although I guess Grubauer kind of did well towards the end of the season, but, um, you know, he's not, he's not a terrible goaltender. Um, so I totally understand why they want to sign him long term. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe I, I can, I can see both sides to it, I guess is what I was trying to get to. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that takes us to, okay. Uh, so I, this was more of just like a catch all of like, um, cause we are focused, we did focus on five teams here, but of course there was a lot of signings that we didn't get to, um, um, and so I, I did have, uh, like, what was the best signing so far and what was the worst signing so far. Um, I think the best signing, well, I guess it would be Tyler Bertuzzi, but we've already talked about Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, I do kind of like the Jonathan, like, speaking of Halifax and McKinnon, um, I do like the Jonathan Duran deal to Colorado. Yeah. One year, 8.2, uh, 825K. Yeah, Jonathan Duran's career hasn't taken off like we thought he was when he was drafted in 2013, but maybe there is a spark that can happen when he is on McKinnon's team team again. Um, so there could be something there. Um, and like you know, uh, Duran has kind of had like a a topsy turvy um, season uh, or just career wise and. Um, I do like that deal, although, of course, that could end up hurting them. Uh, Matt Duchesne is probably, I, I mentioned this last week, but uh, Matt Duchesne, because he has that buyout money still from the Nashville Predators, uh, so he is making $4.5 million from the Predators, um, it is kind of cool. That, like So he can afford to like take on less money and sign with a contender. Um, and I just love that he went to Dallas. Um, and I feel like Dallas easily has the best, the top nine, um, the best top nine in the league right now uh, when you add in Matt Duchesne simply by doing that um, because it's like they're already pretty deep in, in depth. And if you can add a guy like Matt Duchesne onto the roster, it's like, okay, they're, they're going to be a problem for, uh, for this year at the very least. Um, and Craig Smith... Um, yeah, he's another depth guy, but uh, one year, one million. I, I really liked what Dallas was doing there. And Sam Steele, who knows. Um, and the other one that I wanted to talk about was... Um, oh, yeah. Oh, oh Kyler Yamamoto. Um, I forgot to mention this when I was talking about Detroit, but because um, technically he was on the Red Wings, but even though he never played a game for them, um, I'm sure there's no love lost in Detroit. Uh, <laughs> or something. Uh, I can't wait for that tribute video. Uh, but yeah, he does. I did call it. He goes to Seattle. Um, he's another one kind of like um, Drew N who 
he, you know, he's had his moments in the NHL, but it hasn't been as exactly as good as we thought he would be. Um, and maybe that has something to do with just injuries, the fact that he's 5'6", um, but at the same time, he's 24 years old, so he still has some career left in him. He goes to his hometown. I'm a sucker for those types of signings where guys go to the team that they grew up with. Or, you know, I guess <laughs> Seattle wasn't a team when he was growing up. But um, at the his hometown team, I should say. Also, he played for Spokane um, in the WHL, which is in Washington. So, um, and he grew up in Washington. So, it's fitting that the uh, Seattle grabs him at one year, $1.5 million. Um, it was also kind of interesting that there is like a three-way trade going on with Edmonton, Detroit, and C- Seattle, um, except Edmonton didn't get anyone. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, but like especially when Seattle when Detroit gets Austin and Sprong from Seattle, Seattle ends up getting Yamamoto uh, because of a Detroit Detroit buying out. Yamamoto's contract from a trade from Edmonton so it's like a it's not really a three-way trade but it, it kind of is um so you know, so yeah that's that's kind of an interesting aspect there so what was what do you think is the best signing although I know I I kind of went all over the place there <laughs> um yeah um I kind I kind of like the Bowen Byram one to be honest yeah, with uh, Colorado, a good two year bridge deal three point eight five million that doesn't really cost that much, and uh, he was on the second pairing last year and last year with Josh Manson there, um, you you look at um, you know uh, their defense uh, moving forward obviously without Eric Johnson there kind of opens the door for some of the younger guys to step in and you know who knows if the Colorado Avalanche uh, can't afford to keep uh, Devon Taves beyond this year too so you put Bowen Byram in uh, give him a, a, a lengthy look um, that you, this this year uh, could be the year uh, could be the start of where his game really pops off and he can produce at the quality we all thought he could so um, I would say that would be a, a good move um, for for the Avalanche. While I do think there's the ultimate lowers power war with Druin and putting him on McKinnon's line, especially with Landis Cog out for the full season, that could really resurrect his career. Um, I think Byron is in a really good spot in the team. Yeah. A good spot with that deal, too. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, as for the worst. Uh, signings, I guess we, um, we kind of, we did mention this before, but I, I don't like the Radko Gudis signing, even though I'm a little bit higher on Gudis than you are, but, uh, yeah, three-year deal, four million, um, he's 33 years old, um, so I don't necessarily understand that part of it, and I, I guess, like, the Ducks are desperate for defensemen, but, they have a few prospects in the system. Um, I don't understand that. But the real the real one that I don't really understand is Alex Kilhorn uh, with the Ducks. Um, like, because this is one of those ones where they signed Ryan Strom last year to a five-year, five-million deal. Um, 
and he hasn't really lived up to that contract. And yeah, the Ducks aren't like really like even at that time, um, you know, they were a rebuilding team, so there's not a ton to be expected out of that. But at the same time, you expect a little bit more out of Ryan Strom. Um, and and to Alex Kilhorn's credit, he is a little bit underrated. Um, he also has some experience being on those Tampa Bay teams. Um, I didn't realize though that like Kilhorn had like 50 points last year, um, roughly. So so there is something there. Uh, but but then at the same time, it's like wait a second. It's not like the like like Kilhorn's 33 years old. They sign him to a four-year deal worth $6.25 million. Um, and there is something to be said about, like, a veteran presence uh, on, like, a team that's full of young guys. So there is something to that. But at the same time, Trevor Zegras is an RFA right now. Troy Terry's an RFA right now. Um, and if you sign him to a six, and I, I guess the Ducks do have $29 million, um, in cap space. Um, so did so, they give him any no trade protection as well? That's an important part. Yeah, they I do have a, he does have a no trade clause. I, I haven't clicked into that yet, but so I, I guess they, they are in decent shape. Yeah. 29 million. Um, and they still have to sign Terry and Zegras, but that's like their and, and dry sale. Um, oh, and Deuce Dostal. So those are like four. He's got offense. a full no trade the first two years and a fifteen yeah. team no trade for the final two. Good God. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that part I don't even really understand. Like there is like a essence of like you know getting guys who have experience so that they can mentor the young guys. But even still, like I'm now I'm looking at the roster now. They have guys like Adam Henrique, Jacob Silverberg, uh, Ryan Strom, who I just mentioned, Frank Vitrano. Um, yeah. Uh, like even like Brock McGinn, uh, Cam Fowler's, uh, you know, has some experience now. They have. They also let uh, Comtois walk yeah. for nothing, by the way. They didn't yeah. keep him. Although, yeah, I guess that's not exciting, uh, as surprising because he he kind of had a down year last year. Also, it seems like he may have been involved with that 2018 Canadian team. Um, but, um, um, or just like that's just what the still, sense I get. He's still yeah. a promising prospect, though. That there was uh, a lot of hype to him when he. There was, out. but he uh, he kind of fell crashed down to earth, and if there. Yeah, it, you know, you're right. You're and, wrong, but you, you still walked away from him for for nothing, like true. Detroit did with Philip Sedina. True, like, but like no one, before. no one has signed him yet, and I I think there is like you know, like there's a like if you think of like. Like okay, there there might be some smoke to that fire that he was involved in that twenty eighteen case. Yeah, um, gross. And of course, like nothing's we will never actually know, but I I I feel like there there is some speculation that he might be one of the those guys. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so they do have Terry Zegris. Drysdale and Dossel. I just mentioned how like Selweger is probably one of the best defensive prospects that's not in the NHL right now. Um, yep. And, um, and Minchikov's also going to be pretty good, too. Um, he's not half bad, either. Even, like, Jackson Lacombe, um, who had a pretty good college uh, season. So, I don't really understand. Like, so they have a lot of veteran guys, even without Kilhorn and Gudis. 
So I don't necessarily, and like, they need to sign like four of their young core players, and they probably will do it with $29 million in cap space, but at the same time, it's just like, a long term, as you just mentioned, he has no trade clauses on, on this entire contract. I really don't understand it. I guess the other one, but we talked about this last week, was all the Islanders moves for depth pieces for long-term deals. Uh, that one is also questionable, too. But Alex Gillorn one is, is going to boggle my mind for a couple of years, I feel like. <laughs> there are a lot that boggle my mind. Um, at first, uh, the Corpus Sal one boggled my mind, but I've come yeah. around to it to, to the point where I have cautious optimism. I don't think it's going to be that bad. For yep. the sense sake, I hope it's not that bad. Uh, but uh, that's largely because I found one that's even worse. And it's a guy who's uh, 27 years old from Youngby, Sweden, 6'5", 214. I am, of course, talking about Pierre Engvall yeah. and the seven-year deal that he got from the Islanders. And the cap hit isn't even really that big. It's $3 million per season. But keep in mind, this guy's a bottom six forward. As people learn nothing from the Canucks and their bad luck with bottom six forwards, like you gotta be careful with term for bottom six forwards. That's that's the biggest sin. Barkley could draw the Rangers. Another example, recent example. If the if the Rangers want to create cap space, well, there's three million in cap space you no longer have because you gave it to Barkley Goodrow on a seven year deal. Mm. And I fear like the New York Islanders who are already offensively challenged, uh, even. Even if they uh, are able to end, uh, land a guy like Alice to bring it, if they end up uh, getting him in the sweepstakes, or if they try to get someone else, again, if you're at a stage where you're looking for cap space, all of a sudden that $3 million seems like a big deal. And on top of that seven-year deal for Engvall, they gave him a no-trade list for half the league for a bottom six forward. And yeah. I get that, you know, he has goal scoring power, which for a guy at six foot five, it's very tough to find. Five goals in eighteen games for the Alps, yeah, that's great. Near twenty goal season this year, yeah, that's great. Still a bottom six forward, still too much term, still don't like it. And uh I hope for Lou's sake, uh people don't remember this in four years when we do a little debrief of this draft class, because there could be some notoriously bad deals, and I think this might be one of them. Yep. Uh, by the way, I take it back. Uh, Killorn didn't have 50 points. Do you want to have a guess on how many points he ha- he actually had last year? He played a full 89. Nope. Uh, it's actually better than you would think. 64 points in 82 games. So. Yeah, see, like, again, there's... But, again, yeah. he... He's probably in Tampa's top six or top nine, which is, right. I would say, better yeah, he had 17 than minutes Anaheim's up. top nine. Like, yeah. you're talking yeah. about Tampa's top six, top nine, where there are Hall of Famers on that list, yeah, like yeah. eventual Hall of Famers. Yeah, he played 17 minutes of ice time on average last year. Exactly. 82 full, yeah. full games as well. Yeah. Power play minutes, too, at, at worst yeah. secondary unit. Yeah, but like 64 points is not bad considering what we were just saying. He had 59 points the year before that. Okay, I can sort of understand it now, but like, uh, I don't know. 6.6 is still a lot for a guy who's 33. I mean, I guess he does have some, he has playoff experience and and that's going to 
help them in the long run. It's the intangibles he provides. That's yeah. Why, that's why Anaheim got him. It's and just, I totally get that. Cause it's just a lot of money though. It's just a lot of money, a lot of term. Yeah. yeah. So that part I'm like, all right, I don't know. Um, he also went to Harvard, um, and he hey, he's smart. Yeah, and he grew up in uh, Nova Scotia, Halifax. Which I didn't realize. Oh, that. we love that. We love the, the yeah. Maritimers up here. Zach McEwen, uh, who signed with the Sens, is from PEI. It's probably oh. my uh, it's probably my second home. I love PEI. I, I also I also found that uh, already. I guess pro hockey reference has a they keep track of all the people who grew up in. Uh, like a certain place. So I looked, I was just curious on like, how does Kilhorn rank for all the Nova Scotians? So he is behind Crosby, he is a, behind Marshawn, he is a, behind McKinnon, of course, but he's fifth. McKinnis, I believe, is also from Nova Scotia. That's what I, yeah, well, that, well, that's, that's the whole, that's what I was looking at. Um, yeah. So, um, in terms of points, though, um, oh, and Al McKinnis is uh, second. Um, yeah. Is second here, but yeah, he's seventh all time for NHL players born in Nova Scotia in points. Uh, Marshawn is in fourth, McKinnon's in fifth, and Crosby's in first. Al McKinnis is in second. Um, I don't know if people care here, but Glenn Murray, who is a uh, who's a big time Bruins, another big time Bruin player, um, was sixth, and Bobby Smith, who I've never heard of before, uh, he's in third. So. Yeah, there's that. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, you can also um, subscribe to our SoundCloud, our iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. That's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 373 of the Lace Them Up Podcast.